Thank you so much for checking out the audio version of my channel, Ruslan KD, can you stream out loud on all platforms? If you, yes, you find this valuable, the best way you can reach me, the best way you can give me feedback, the best way you can even hop into a group Zoom call with me is through our King's Dream Patreon community. So consider partnering with us there. The link is in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Now enjoy. Bruce Lawn. If you guys didn't know, I love seeing examples from YouTube media music where, where there are Christians who are open about their faith. Now, I don't know how Christian or how much this is their faith, the infographic show is, but they have 10, 10 million, with an M, million subscribers, and they just came out with a video a week ago about Jesus's bodily resurrection, and by all accounts, even though they were objective, it seems like they're coming out as affirming the bodily resurrection of Jesus. This is a big deal. I feel like the bodily resurrection of Jesus is one of the close-handed essentials of the faith, and I'm going to be reacting to to this video because I think it's important that there are people in the highways and byways of media, culture, content that are sharing their faith and where I think this is going to go in the next iteration of Christian creators on YouTube. And again, I'm not uh, condoning or, or, or co-signing necessarily everything that the infographics show believe. I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I would like to talk to them, but I think it's really interesting. Maybe they're Catholic. I don't know. I don't know all the particulars, but this video blew my mind. I actually shared it with my friend Sean McDowell, who's a big apologetist, uh, apolo apologist on Twitter. He tweeted it and was blown away by them coming out. There's some challenging stuff in here for Christians as well, but by and large, boy, do they nail the apologetics. And I'm going to get into some of the classical apologetics that's kind of kind of touched on in this video, but let's just jump in. And I just want to cover a little bit of it. I think the meat of it, you guys should watch the whole video. It's 30 minutes long, 29 minutes, 12 seconds. Really good. The whole channel is really good. I saw this video and I went back and purged on all kinds of videos that they have about hypothetical situations, about world history, about potential all kinds of stuff. I ain't got time to describe everything that their YouTube channel is about, but their YouTube channel is fire, 10 million subscribers, and they just put this out. Was Jesus actually resurrected? I'm going to pick it up at the 12-minute mark, pause, talk. If you guys want to see the video, go watch their video. This is me reacting to their video, and then some things where I think this is going to go uh, in the next iteration as we're seeing more and more people come out in culture and be open that they believe Jesus literally bodily rose from the dead. So let's check this out. The idea of disciples bribing Jewish temple guards successfully so as to perpetrate their heretical belief in a resurrected Messiah is incredulous to the point of sheer absurdity, let alone bribing Roman guards who would themselves face death for such a massive dereliction of duty when the tomb was found empty. The next. So this is talking about all of the different theories about the tomb of Jesus being found empty. And one of them was that the disciples bribed the Roman guards for the body, and that is how Jesus was really rose. So th this is one of the theories, but there's one part I want to get into that I think is going to be really uh, interesting. So let's get watching. the apparent death theory. This theory states that Jesus didn't really die on the cross and instead survived his crucifixion, somehow slipped past the tomb guards, and returned to the disciples who celebrated him as the resurrected Son of God. Once more, it's completely absurd to believe that a severely injured Jesus, who had just survived a scourging and then being crucified and in need of critical medical care, could possibly return to his disciples and convince them that despite his utterly broken body, he had in fact defeated death, quote, in glory, 
Secondly, crucifixion was simply not a survivable event unless the person was immediately rescued. The way that a person was crucified would lead to a slow but sure asphyxiation as the downward pull of gravity forced an individual to physically push against the nails embedded in his feet in order to lift their chest up and relieve the pressure, allowing- By the way, yo, the graphics on this are nuts. And what was also very impressive, this has 400,000 views. By and large, the comments are positive. That, that is what blew me away. By and large, this is a not, not a Christian show. It's not a Christian YouTube channel. But by and large, the comments were positive. It was like, yeah, this is really cool. Wow, right? Uh, and as you see here, 19,000 uh, likes, uh, 1.3 thousand dislikes. That's, I mean, that's a 95% ratio. Gasp for breath. This would have not only been an excruciatingly painful experience, but an exhausting one, compounded by the effects of blood loss and exposure. Additionally, Roman guards were quite used to crucifying Jewish would-be messiahs and rebels by this time, and were under the pains of their own death to ensure that the prisoner could not be rescued and did indeed die on the cross. Lastly, in the account of the crucifixion in John 19, we have a Roman centurion ensuring that Jesus is truly dead by piercing his side with a spear, stabbing upwards and into the heart to deliver a killing blow. The scripture states that blood and water came out of the wound which perfectly mirrors exactly what modern medical science would expect from such a wound on a person who died after being crucified. Before death, fluid would have collected in the membrane around the heart and lungs due to heart failure. This is known as pericardial and pleural effusion. Upon Jesus' body being pierced by the spear, this fluid would have leaked out of the wound, followed by blood, exactly as reported in John 19 strongly hinting that whomever wrote the account either was physically present at the crucifixion or had testimony from a witness who was. So they're affirming the New Testament writings. Did you guys catch that? Like, I, I'm, again, I'm going to get into some, some of the practical stuff here, but they're affirming that whoever wrote this in the scriptures was either present. Remember the New Testament letters are letters to, to different churches. Was either present at the resurrection, at the, at the death, or was connected to someone who was present and they were transcribing what they wrote. So this is a firsthand account. Basically what they're saying is you can trust the New Testament letters. Is the empty tomb narrative accurate? There's no realistic reason to believe that Jesus' body was stolen or that Jesus survived his crucifixion. Without an empty tomb, there could be no Christian narrative of resurrection. As a well-known figure due to his perceived blasphemy and heresy, the sight of Jesus' burial would have been known to anyone looking to debunk the disciples' earliest claims of resurrection. And all the Jewish authorities would have had to do to shut the entire Christian movement down as soon as it arose was to simply unseal the tomb and show that Jesus still lay there, dead, and that the disciples were liars. It's important to note who dis- So that's really interesting. The, the, the only thing they really needed to do to squash this anti-Roman perceived movement was to simply show people the body of Jesus and say, look, he didn't really rise from the dead. What are you guys worshiping this guy for? Here's his body. All they had to do was provide proof and they couldn't. So they had to come up with all these potential theories of what happened to the body and none of them suffice. But this is where it gets interesting. For the empty tomb as well. Women. In the very patriarchal society of the ancient Jews, women were not regarded as credible witnesses in court. Both Jewish historian Josephus and Jewish philosopher Maimonides made it clear that women were not competent to testify in court. As Josephus pointed out, testimony of a deaf, mentally incompetent, or young person as well as women was excluded in most cases. Despite women being ineligible to serve as witnesses in most Jewish courts, the early Christians publicly proclaimed women, the least trustworthy members of society, as the discoverers of the empty tomb. 
This would not just have been an incredulous but hugely embarrassing detail for the early disciples, and the fact that the detail remains is strong evidence that the disciples were simply accurately relaying the discovery of the empty tomb, no matter how embarrassing it was for them personally. Next in our investigation so, of the So there's there's the, the point after point where they keep talking about listen the the folks who wrote the gospel letters, the folks that wrote the letters testifying of the bodily resurrection of Jesus did not write them in a way to necessarily tell the best story in terms of their credibility in that time and and whether it's the way it makes the disciples look whether it's the way that women discovered the tomb and that it was women who went and told the apostles like there are so many things in here that is not the the way you write a, a seller's guide on becoming a follower of Jesus when all of these different things are written by you know, uh, people that weren't the most educated, that were common men, women discovering the, the 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 bodily resurrected Jesus, so on and so forth. There's so many things here that is is just not how you sell, uh, you know, starting a world religion. <laughs> and so, I love that the infographics broke this down. I think, um, I think also to go a little deeper, right? We we also talk we, we a lot of there's a lot of this talk in terms of like. Christianity is oppressive to women and the patriarchy. And it's like, yo, I don't think people quite get how revolutionary Jesus was to bringing dignity to women. The fact that there were women who anointed him for death, the fact that there were women that he interacted with that were Samaritan women, and the fact that women, the fact that women were the ones who discovered the empty tomb says a whole lot and makes Christianity very unique in the way it treats people and, and gives dignity and equality to all people. We don't really understand that. And if you're talking about Old Testament, if you want to see uh, the dignity of woman, the value of woman in the Old Testament, all you got to do is read Proverbs 31 and see a woman who's entrepreneurial, who's taking care of her family. She's up early, right? So the scriptures, when you actually read the scriptures, I'm not talking about a a tying in a fundamentalist, you know, superior man, men are better view. You just look at the scriptures for what they are. Very few, if any other religion, gives the degree of dignity, value, and worth to women, to people of any ethnicity, as the scriptures. Direction is the appearances of Jesus after his death. The majority of the New Testament historians affirm that Jesus appeared to his disciples after his death. In the words of Ed Sanders, New Testament scholar and former professor at Duke University, the following is a historical fact. The earliest disciples saw the risen Jesus. I don't know how exactly they saw him, but they saw him. Most critics, including 20th century atheist philosopher Anthony Flew, ascribe to the hallucination theory to explain the post-mortem appearances of Jesus. This theory posits that the disciples were stricken with grief-inspired hallucinations and confused them as the real bodily appearance of a risen Jesus. There are, however, serious problems with that theory. First, any belief in Jesus' resurrection due to hallucination could have been easily dispelled by Jewish authorities by simply checking the tomb and finding the body still resting there. Hmm. Second, as is established by medical science, hallucinations cannot create new ideas. They simply work within the pre-existing mental framework. As devout Jews, the disciples had no belief, let alone an idea, of a bodily resurrection that predated the end of days. In the Jewish faith, resurrection only occurred on the last day. As God cast his judgment and called the faithful to live in paradise, 
before this event happened, there could be no resurrection of the dead. Hmm. Revivification of the recently dead, much like happens in our modern hospitals every day. So he's, they're saying that like the disciples didn't even have context of a bodily resurrection because the only resurrection they were looking forward to potentially was in the last days, like the end days that, that were prophesied in Daniel. So th for them to even comprehend this is is wild, right? It's, it's outside of their own realms of possibility. Remember, they were looking and waiting for an earthly kingdom to be established, but Jesus established something better. Was certainly possible, but not a resurrection to a glorified body as described by the disciples of Jesus. Therefore, a hallucination could not have convinced the devout Jew that the event for which he had no basis for believing in had occurred. Secondly, the odds of all his disciples are at least enough to jumpstart the Christian church, all suffering from grief hallucinations are astronomical to the point of once more absurdity. Hmm. There's not a single other recorded case like it in verified medical history. Further, it's well recorded that Jesus appeared to groups of the disciples at the same time, and hallucinations cannot be shared between individuals. One indi Hallucinations? cannot be shared between multiple individuals. Interesting, isn't it? People cannot see what another is hallucinating or vice versa. Corinthian Creed, written down by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, which reads that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The creedial statement in Paul's letter is authenticated as an early Christian creed by the format it's written in the original Greek which differs from the way the rest of Paul's letter is written. In the ancient world, when you wanted to help someone who couldn't read or write remember something, you put it in the form of a creed. And as Bart Ehrman himself attests, the Corinthian creed can be dated back to within one or two years of the crucifixion, mm. with some historians dating it to as early as mere months after Jesus' death. This means that within months after the crucifixion, the earliest Christians were already teaching Jesus' resurrection, mm. a concept that they Within months... The earliest Christians were already teaching of the resurrection. No ideological basis for prior to the crucifixion. So there's, there's no theology that that fit into prior to this event happening. Not only were the demoralized and terrified disciples coming to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, but they were almost immediately spreading their belief to thousands of other Jews. Mm. Belief in the resurrection was far from the only heretical belief of the disciples, however, as almost immediately after the crucifixion, the young Christian church changed their celebration of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. This move was motivated by the day of Jesus' alleged resurrection and discovery of the empty tomb, and to first century Jews would have been the height of heresy. So they go on to say that, you know, the the even the skeptic, even the non-Christian scholars, even those people who are atheists will say, hey, we don't know what happened and we can't prove or disprove the resurrection, right? Because this is, you know, you're talking about evidence. But what we do know is that early church, the early church legitimately believed that the resurrection happened and believed to the point where a lot of the uh, apostles ended up dying deaths of martyrs. Okay, so we so we know that. So th this is secular philosophers who say, listen, we don't know. We don't know how to make sense of it. It doesn't make sense. But we do know that they really believed what Christians believe today. They do know that they really believe that Jesus literally rose from the grave. 
And so I think that's incredible. So what is what are the implications of this? And I'm going to I'm going to talk about this uh, briefly. In classical apologetics, there's a couple of big ideas in terms of how you walk people through becoming a follower of Jesus, persuading them to follow Jesus. The first one is that hey, God exists. Therefore, miracles are possible. The vast majority of people today will say, sure, God exists. Yeah, God, God, God exists, right? Atheist, agnostics, still a very small percentage. But the vast majority of folks believe that, hey, God exists. There's a God. Something caused everything to happen. Even if they believe in, I, I don't know, evolution. Even if they believe that not everything in the, in the Bible literally happened. They believe the big idea that God exists. And most people would believe when surveyed that, hey, miracles are possible. Okay, and then and then then we take a step further and we would say the New Testament documents are reliable. The New Testament documents are reliable, meaning that if you count the number of manuscripts, meaning that if you look at history, that the the book of Corinthians, uh, the three out of the four gospel, the the synoptic gospels are reliable documentations of what was happening and are viewed as reliable references of history, specifically the New Testament, right? Um, therefore, Jesus rose from the grave. Therefore, Jesus rose from the grave. So now I'm walking you down down this path, right? So it, one, God exists. Miracles are possible. If miracles are possible, it is possible for God to preserve the New Testament documents and to testify about this event that also secular historians and scholars also talk about, which is that the New Testament, you know, the New Testament documents are reliable, and therefore Jesus rose from the grave. If Jesus rose from the grave, everything he said about God. It's true. And everything he said about the Old Testament and the prophets is also true. So this is this is how I review my own theology. A lot of you guys ask me, like, well, what is your theology? What do you believe about this? Listen, I believe what Jesus said. Okay, (laughs) so I believe Isaiah was a real person because Jesus talked about Isaiah as a real person. I believe Moses was a real person because Jesus spoke about Moses as a real person. I believe that the New Testament documents are reliable. Therefore, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. This is what the crux of my faith hangs on. And I think what you're seeing in culture with stuff like infographics, and again, I I don't know all of their theology. I don't know what framework they're coming from. Maybe they're Catholic. I don't know. But to me, it doesn't ultimately matter because what you're seeing is more and more people people affirming the big idea of, hey, God exists. Okay. Therefore, miracles are possible. The New Testament letters are reliable. Jesus rose from the grave. Now, the next step is to say, and everything he taught about God is true. That is going to be the next step. That Because a lot of us are watching this. And shoot, even, you know, James says, hey, you, you believe that there's only one God. Well, hey, even the demons believe that and they tremble. So a lot of people believe there is a God, but do they believe God? And I think that's what we're going to start seeing happen and, and, and how we're going to start seeing culture shift. Culture's already shifted to the to the big ideas. God exists, therefore miracles are possible. They, they exist. They, they believe the New Testament documents are reliable. They believe in, in terms of just the historical accounts of what's written in there. They believe that Jesus bodily rose from the grave. That's, I mean, come on, that's huge right there, right? So if Jesus bodily rose from the grave and the New Testament documents are reliable, then everything he said and taught about God and how we are to live is true. And there in that is where the transformation happens. There is where we go from just being, uh, as my brother AAD would say, acknowledgers to believers, active believers, where we surrender our life 
and we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus, where we lay down our life, our psyche, that's that word in the Greek is our psyche, and then we take and we follow Jesus and we say, hey, I want the life that Jesus has for me. I want the full, abundant life that Jesus has for me, right? And so this is this is good because I think that's what we're going to start seeing happen, and that's where transformation happens, and that's where people are really made to be new creatures in, in following Jesus. And seeing this stuff on a massive YouTube channel like the Infographics, which doesn't do a whole lot of stuff about religion, I think is incredible and I think is the beginning on-ramp for a lot of people to surrender their life to Jesus. It's the first step to acknowledge that, hey, God exists, miracles are possible, the New Testament letters are reliable, Jesus bodily rose from the grave. If he bodily rose from the grave, well, then goodness gracious, I'm believing a man that rose from the grave. Any man that predicts his death (laughs) dies and then conquers death and rises from the grave. I'm listening to that dude. So if Jesus talks about Adam and Eve as if they're literal people, well, goodness gracious, Adam and Eve are literal people to me. I don't know how it all worked out. I don't know about the literal flood or the regional flood or seven day earth creation, old earth evolution. I don't know. I ain't got all the answers on that. But Jesus is true. What he said is true. What he teaches is true. And the rest of it aligns. So I'm not trying to convince people and have a conversation about macro evolution. No, no, no. Let's just talk about Jesus. Is Jesus who he claims to be? Yes or no? Right? And so this is this is this is an exciting time. And stuff like this is really cool. And so I would encourage you guys. Um, I, I love it when you guys share my videos. But yo, share this video with your non-Christian friends from the infographic show. Show that video to them and help them see what it is that's happening in terms of this is not this is an objective channel like i don't see a whole lot of you know pandering or religion on here this is an objective channel and they're crushing it with regards to just professing jesus and apologetically if they're watching this guys i would love to have a conversation with you and learn more about your faith and your faith journey tap in i think i uh, tweeted them. But um, those are my thoughts about this. So this is an exciting time. This is another way, yet another way for you guys to share your faith with <laughs> minimal risk. Come on, man. To send somebody a, a, a YouTube link from a channel with 10 million subscribers that does infographics that's affirming the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And you send that to somebody and then they say, okay, boom, I'm with you. That makes sense. I believe Jesus bodily rose from the grave. What now? And then you can go and share the gospel and tell them about the great exchange. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. That's good news. That is the gospel, 2 Corinthians in one verse. Okay? So those are my thoughts on it. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully this is encouraging and inspiring to you guys. Let me know what y'all think. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Hey, thank you so much for making it till the end of this video. If you found it valuable, please consider giving it a like and subscribing. You can check out one of the other videos related to this that'll be over here. Now, I got to tell you about a free training I have for anyone that is an entrepreneur, a creative, an artist, but maybe you are unsure on how to find your voice, how to find your niche. I have a free training in the description of this video. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate you, and I will see you on the next video. Holy smokes, you made it through the entire episode. Shout out to you probably means you're rocking with what we're doing and again we ain't got no sponsors on this show and i'm gonna keep it that way but what you can do to keep it sponsor free is consider signing up for our king's dream patreon the link is in the description of this episode best way to get a hold of me best way to hop into a group zoom call and the best way to partner with what we're doing here help us create more stuff just like this thank you for listening
Peace.